Greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line, uh, coming to you from our mobile command center, which is melting, actually, I just realized. <laughs> if we had started um, 45 minutes ago, it would have been a winter wonderland. Big, massive uh, snowflakes, and lots of them were coming down. And uh, I had seen a possibility of up to two inches of snow uh, in the forecast uh, a couple days ago, anyways. Um it was starting to stick. It really was. And then it stopped. I see some blue skies to the... Okay, I'm not sure which direction it is. <laughs> that way. And um, uh, the sun's come out. And it's... Uh, I can't see the temperature. Does that say it's in the 50s already? I don't know. Uh, but pretty much everything has already melted. I see water coming off the top of my unit here. And um, the the all the roofs were white, literally 45 minutes ago, and it's all melted off. Pretty weird. You got to understand, I'm from Phoenix, and um, it's really interesting for Phoenicians to see snow, even briefly. Um, and that has nothing to do with Al Gore uh, whatsoever. I was watching some videos of Al Gore from like in 2009 saying to buy... 2013, we'd have uh, ice-free summers in the in the in the Arctic, and uh, of course, our children wouldn't know what snow looked like and uh, and everything else. And um, I believe they still have record snow accumulation even now in uh, the mountains of California, and the ski resorts and all sorts of stuff like that uh, are still open and all of that. So, uh, but that's not changing anything. They're still getting away with wasting trillions and trillions of dollars and destroying businesses and economies and everything else. It's uh, pure politics. If you haven't figured that out yet, sorry. Um, but it's so obvious that it's amazing. But um, we are here in uh, Cedar City, Utah. Spoke at the Southern Utah University last night <clears throat> on scriptural reliability. Really want to say thanks to the young lady, um, Pastor Wade Orsini and I, uh, Pastor Wade is the pastor of Apologia's Church Plain in Salt Lake. He and his family came down, uh, actually stayed the night because I'm speaking again this evening, to record the um, the event. And uh, Pastor Jason Wallace and his son are down from Salt Lake as well, stayed the night. And um, so we're speaking, so I'm speaking at Southern Utah University. And tonight, Jason and I are going to have sort of a dialogue discussion concerning Bart Ehrman. Um, because Bart Ehrman is the favorite English-speaking critic of Christianity for Muslims, Mormons, uh, atheists, you name it. They all love quoting Bart Ehrman, even if they don't understand what they're quoting. And um, so we're going to be talking uh, this evening, uh, again, at Southern Utah University on that subject. It was interesting. I happened to notice this time around. I'm not sure if it was there last time. It probably was. But I just didn't notice it. But there was a sort of a round cupola type um, item near the building. And from the direction I was walking anyways, uh, I could see uh, Shakespeare was in there. I think Rousseau was in there. So Jefferson was in there. Uh, but they had Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle as well. I, I use it as an illustration concerning the fact that we have significantly higher confidence, um, even from a secular perspective, in the wording of the New Testament 
and the accuracy of its transmission over time than uh, we have for anything that Aristotle or Socrates or Plato wrote. And um, I just thought it was really interesting to see that on campus in Southern Utah. I can't imagine that Brigham Young ever really, <laughs> Brigham Young could not have imagined uh, Utah in 2023. Um, I don't think Bruce McConkie could have imagined Utah in 2023, to be honest with you. Uh, if you're not familiar with, Bruce R. McConkie was an apostle of the Mormon church back in the 70s and the 80s. I forget when he died, mid-1980s, I think. He authored a book called uh, Mormon Doctrine, which obviously, for a lot of us, was a go-to resource for many, many years. Though I remember very clearly that it did not take long after McConkie's death for even your run-of-the-mill more missionaries to be willing to disagree with things that McConkie said in Mormon doctrine. Um, a lot of the resources that we just relied upon back then, Doctrines of Salvation by Joseph Fielding Smith and Mormon doctrine, Articles of Faith still has a position of authority, I, I suppose, in some senses. But um, I just, I wonder how many more missionaries that, I would talk to today have actually read a marvelous work in wonder or any of those types of, again, standard sources back in those, back in those days, um, things have changed. Now, Cedar city of course is in Southern Utah, which is significantly more conservative, but you've got Southern Utah university. And so you, you have the clash taking place here that, is one of the things that we need to be talking about today. And that is the, um, we, we live in a day where Western society is torn, not just in two, though there are two major, major divisions, but, but torn between the, the past and the future in one sense. The divisions are huge and they're everywhere. Um, if you have any kind of higher educational institution, you're going to have people who are going to be promoting the most, you know, they're calling it progressivism. It's not progressivism. It's literally regressivism. It's going back toward paganism. It is an attack upon everything that made Western culture capable of producing the advances in technology, government, medicine, um, ethics, and morality uh, that, that we take for granted for now, but we're going away from it. We're going, we're, we are abandoning purposefully and maliciously the very things that provided the goodness and the cohesion of our society in the past. And that's why it's simply falling apart. Um, none of us, certainly any of us with children, or in my case, grandchildren, the age of the sweet children that were killed um, earlier in the week in Nashville, none of us can not be thinking about 
all of the issues that have been raised in our own thinking by what has taken place there. Uh, I have I did not have the opportunity this morning to do a, a bunch of digging into the internet. Some of you who watched the last program, the program we did in Phoenix, which took place right after the shooting took place, but before much information came out, at the time of the program, you'll remember what had been said was this was a 28-year-old woman. And that's what it was. She is a woman. She was a biological female, born a female, raised a female, only recently decided that, you know, she had the autonomy to change nature by your own, by your own assertions. And the, the immediate commentary was how rare it is for there to be a female mass shooter. And then, of course, during my comments on the program, I not having, you know, I, I wasn't, I know some people do programs with literally with video playing in the background where they're watching CNN and stuff like that. I know Rush Limbaugh used to do that, remember? Um, I wouldn't, I would be far too distracted. <laughs> just having, just having Twitter up is enough to make me just wander off. Um, but I didn't have anything like that up. And I just sort of in passing said, well, unless who knows, maybe she identified as a male or something like that. And lo and behold, we signed off the air. I looked at social media and there it was uh, trans shooter. And um, there is a manifesto. We've been told there is a manifesto. I think we'll eventually get to read it. I, I don't think Nashville is quite leftist enough to completely suppress it. I, I think it will come out eventually. Um, but there is possibility that it may not. And... Um, I think it would give us some tremendous insights, but I think it would be so contrary to the narrative that must be maintained by mainstream media that uh, they I, if, if they could suppress it, I think they would. I, I think if the police chief had not mentioned it, um, that maybe they might have been able to keep it from coming out, but I, I, I'm just not sure how they could how they could pull that off. But I'm certainly looking forward to reading it, and I think it would be very very useful for any thinking individual to consider uh, what these, why this person acted the way that she did. I will tell you right now. I have no respect for any person that calls himself a conservative that will refer to this woman as a he. Um, the, you want to know what real honesty is? When those cops shot her down, and she was shooting out a window at cops, so uh, when they shot her down and put her down, they walked up to a female, and they could tell it was a female. Um, 
in the vast majority of instances, it's not that difficult to tell. And so they simply reported reality. But reality is, um, is not the most important thing in our society any longer at all. And as often as we've been talking about all of this, you know, I, I, once in a while, I, I have opportunities of talking with other, other people outside of my normal circles. And um, it's amazing what people think I'm saying over against what I know I'm saying or what's being reported to people as to what I'm saying. Um, you know, someone told me about someone who was, they were saying, well, all he ever talks about today is how bad Thomas was and stuff like that, you know, and as if I'm not talking about textual critical issues or Mormonism or Roman Catholicism or all the stuff that's going on in the society at the same time. And, and um, we've talked about these subjects for a very, very long time. Um, it was 2000, 1999 or 2000, when Jeff Neal and I did that radio program on Marty Minto's show with two homosexuals, which led to the writing of the same-sex controversy. So it's been a quarter of a century. And back then, it was dangerous to address this subject. Because for most Christians, it was still almost the hush-hush type thing. Now it's it's so prevalent around us that for a lot of people, we're sick and tired of having to think about it, of it being forced into our face. You know, June's coming. Oh, no. Again, uh, this force feeding of sexual perversion. And by the way, while I'm thinking about it, um, that there was a really interesting segment that Tucker Carlson did. Well, some of you saw the thing that he did on trans, the transgender stuff, which was very, very fascinating. And yes, once again, a primarily secular individual um, having more bravery to, to speak to these issues than a large number of evangelicals do. A lot of people have noted the same thing there and can't, can't help but do so. But there was, what I was thinking of was a segment that they did on the difference of what's on TikTok in China versus what's on TikTok in the United States. And the idea was in China, it's mainly educational videos, how to be a better engineer, a software engineer, mathematician, whatever. And in the United States, it's sexual perversion, uh, transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, twerking, um, and you, you sit back and go, the, the Chinese know how they're going to defeat the West. And the way to do that is to destroy the moral fabric of the, you know, you know it's, it's warfare, how, how to defeat your enemy, divide and conquer. And the divide, the divisions there, it's just a matter now of the, the conquering part. Um, and the, the, the real question right now is, what's going to happen first? Uh, will we have Chinese troops marching in our streets? Um, or will China come apart first? Because China's got 
lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of problems, uh, present day problems and future problems, just as we do, as does Russia. And the scary thing is nations that are about to fall apart tend to become desperate and do stupid things. So who's going to do the stupid thing first? Really, maybe one of the questions to be asking. But anyways, it was interesting that, uh, you know, the Chinese communists don't have a worldview commitment to a moral and ethical stance. The moral and ethical imperative of communism is to have citizens who can work well enough to keep communism going. In the West, what had given us our moral foundation was a part of how we would swear judges in, how we would swear presidents in. There's a, there's a word from God. There is a law from God. There is a, a, a way of recognizing what is right and wrong that is transcendent. That's now gone. For Generation Z, um, the destructive manifestation of secularism is now in full swing. You have real secularists, people who have no knowledge of scripture. Um, you know, in the 1800s, you learned to read by reading the Bible. You go back, look at the readers that were used in the vast majority of schools, and they were reading stories from the Bible. And so even a person who did not have an evangelical faith had more knowledge of the Bible and its moral and ethical teachings than a lot of evangelicals have today even if they didn't have an evangelical faith. And that provided societal cohesion. It provided expected norms. It provided moral and ethical um, formation on the part of individuals. That is simply no longer there. And as a result, what is considered shameful by my generation um, is considered normative by Gen Z and vice versa. What, what we consider to be good, they consider to be shameful. If they've ever even thought about it. So I, I saw a couple of um, videos. Let's see if I can, oh, got to move this out of there. It's the only, the only one, one of the problems being on the road is, so much less real estate on the screen. <laughs> you gotta, gotta find a way to, to move stuff around um, on that on that screen. <clears throat> the, the church, if it functions as the church, in other words, if we if we recognize that we are the bride of Christ and that we are to speak the words of Christ faithfully and consistently um, from the word, from scripture. We cannot help but have to speak prophetically to a society that is literally doing everything in its power to transgress beyond Sodom and Gomorrah, 
in its moral rebellion against God. Now remember, Sodom and Gomorrah did not have prophets. There was a righteous man amongst them, and we are told that their behavior vexed his heart every day. And his presence must have vexed theirs. I think that's where it comes out in the very brief conversation that takes place outside of Lot's house. The speed with which they accuse him of being a judge says to me that this was not a new thing, that this tension had already existed and that Lot had simply found ways to avoid it exploding. But if, if we are to be consistent in living under the Lordship of Christ, we cannot avoid giving an answer for why we do the things we do. And especially if we are going to teach our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren that being a woman or being a man are good things and that whichever you are is not your decision. That was God's decision. He not only made you male and female, he, he gave you the specific gifts of abilities and maybe even disabilities that you have. That's been a central part of Christian teaching all along. You look at how God has made you. You look at where God has placed you. The opportunities is given to you the physical, mental, emotional gifts that have been given to you, and you seek to glorify your creator by using those gifts, his sovereign will for your life, to their uttermost. And if someone is, uh, if, if you're five foot six and someone else is six foot seven, then you may enjoy the game of basketball, but you just know that God didn't make you to be a professional basketball player. And you don't live in bitterness because of that. You have a foundation for being able to say that that's not God's will. And therefore, there's no reason for me to be concerned. There's no reason for me to be angry, uh, unhappy. We, we, we used to understand that, but all of that has disappeared. All of that is, is gone in this revolution that has taken place. And so I understand that right now something is happening. I believe it was in Tennessee. Um, might've been Kentucky. I, I, I can't bring it up right now to look at it, but some type of something's going on at the Capitol. And that we're supposed to have um day of trans vengeance um, Saturday, I believe. The preceding generations could not have even understood what in the world's going on. They would have to have so much explained to them, and they would have no basis for even understanding that they would literally be going, What happened? Where did you all fall down? What Where'd you get the brain damage? What, what is going on here? And so we, 
we look at these things and the church should be able to speak with a clear and consistent voice on these matters. But we know the church doesn't. All you got to do is look at Brandon Robertson and um, all these other people, some of which, some of whom, the older people, have been walking this path for a long, long time. And now they are being looked to by the society as evidence that Christianity does not have a consistent message on why men were created the way they're created. Is maleness and femaleness uh, a, a part of the creative decree, or is it just simply a mental construct and, and all the rest of this kind of stuff? And so I noticed two videos, and I'm going to try to play them for you. Um, I'm going to try to play them out of a um, the program that I used to capture them. And so I may disappear here for a while, but hopefully that's okay. Um, let's look at... This here, and Rich said this worked when I did it before. Uh, let's try it like this. In Charlotte. Well, now it's not. Yeah, the thing is that there. So I'm trying to get it to go full screen. You can see the full screen. Oh, wait a minute. It would help if you press the right full screen button. Hey. All right, try it again. Real people that are being impacted, your community is being impacted. And and I wonder if there is a way to disentangle people's sort of not understanding of trans folks, right? I think the T is the toughest one in the alphabet soup, right? In the LGBTQ, the T gets get right because people don't have an understanding. People, yeah. even if they're not mean or not angry, don't have an understanding. Is there a way to sort of disentangle people's not lack of understanding from this this raw panic is now getting drag shows banned, even though that isn't trans. No, no, and, <laughs> and I think children are only unsafe at drag shows when a shooter shows up to kill them. That's right. That's where the threat is. I would challenge anyone just... Okay, Peter is throwing me some curves here. Charlotte Clymer, I've heard of this guy before. This is a, this is a man, pretending to be a woman, um, which you can tell very obviously. There's nothing you can do about that. Um former press secretary and human of the human rights campaign. That's where, you, where you've heard of this guy uh, before. Of course, this is MSNBC, the, you know, Pravda uh, in America, the same people who work for Pravda, the Soviets now work at MSNBC. But notice what she has said. She made a comment about drag shows. There are various states that are finally acting uh, to... Uh, finally acting to put a halt to this kind of public debauchery, uh, which is happening just regularly. It, it's, it's clearly meant to be used as the, the, the tip of the spear, focus the attention on that, but we're just going to just keep driving it farther and farther and farther forward, turn these people into heroes, these men who dress up as women and engage in sexually perverse dancing and exhibitionism and everything else. Um, 
to the point where we have to say these are these are wonderful people. These are these this, this is a wonderful form of art, and and that that's how degraded these things are are happening. You, you know, they don't. This is not what's happening in China. <laughs> it's not happening in Russia. Um, and there's a there's a reason for that. Um, that that's a very very clear and obvious reason. But notice what she said. You know this 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 isn't a trans thing. No, it's a creation thing. It is just one of the multifaceted ways in which there was once a Christian consensus in the West and especially in the United States that God's moral and sexual standards were important and that we could not ask for God's blessing upon our country if we were living in open rebellion against his ways and against his his purposes. And so the reaction to this explosion of cross-dressing perversity being forced upon children and the transgender revolution, they're obviously morally, ethically connected in any meaningful worldview, but for the left, you can just simply disconnect these things and create these quote-unquote communities as if as if transgenderism actually can create a community. It can't because it is a... It's not a. It's not a disease. It's not. It's. It's not. I think people really need to be very. Well, I. I very. I feel very sadly for people who experience gender dysphoria. There are very few people who actually, really, without external um, encouragement and stimulation, experience gender dysphoria. Basically, this has only been happening for less than 15 years. That's a very, very short period of time. Did you have transsexuals and things like that in the past? Sure. But it was a very, 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 very small group of people. Nothing like the what... What what they what was the recent number in Gen Z? Twenty three percent, twenty eight percent, something like that. This is the result of social media and an absolutely incessant twenty four seven campaign to destroy the youth of America and therefore destroy America itself. Because as the youth go, there goes the nation. It just takes a period of time so as old folks can die off. And so this is all a, a a consistent worldview issue. And I, I know that there's all sorts of theories about other motivations and things like that. I am I am convinced that the fundamental aspect of this is the evil rebellion that is secularism. It is Mankind demanding that we can make sense out of his world without reference to him. And in the United States, 
This is taking place within the context of a nation that has had more light than arguably any other nation has ever had. More light of God's truth. And so when you sin against light, when you sin against knowing what's good and what's wrong, um, the judgment is all that much more severe. That, that's Jesus' own teaching. That's what he's talking about. He talks about Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. They had so much light. The Son of God's walking amongst them. And they sin against that light. And there are more Bibles in this nation than has ever been per capita in any nation in the world, I think. And yet we hate what it says and we hate what it tells us. And become zealots, self-destructive zealots in, in the process of so, so doing. So we go back to Charlotte Clymer on MSNBC. Oops. We are a vibrant, diverse community, as diverse as anyone else. And do that by sharing first. Sorry about that. He had just said that they're a vibrant, dynamic community. Um, whatever. Sharing and go. You know, I'm from the great state of Texas. I serve in the military. I go to church every Sunday. My faith is very important to me. But God made me in her image. God made me transgender. And to see these people so cynically weaponize this and exploit these children's debts and their teachers' debts, it breaks my heart. I wonder what those families are thinking right now. What do you what do you meet, feel when you have somebody like Michael Mills say it's Okay, let's God made me in her image. <laughs> there's <clears throat> there's the essence of the rebellion. I uh I don't like what God's word says there. And I don't like how Bible, the Bible reveals that women are made in God's image. Um, so I'm going to change what scripture is actually stating there. And I don't care what God's chosen pronouns are. I'm going to use my own. Um, the, I at least... The openly secular, rebellious, transgender person, okay, I can, I can deal with that. It's these people who try to put some type of religious sugarcoating over their complete rebellion against God's truth, perverting scripture, all of this. I, I'm just not even interested in it. it that it's, it's so hard to even think about dealing with something like that. It, it really, really is. That kind of hypocrisy, you, you you just think about the judgment that is going to come upon that someday, and it it really should wake you up, I think, um, to think about it. So let's uh, go back here. We need to eradicate transgenderism. And when somebody like Tucker Carlson said that transgender people are at war with Christians. I can't see Christ in their words. That's for damn sure. I can't see where the biblical principles of loving your neighbor and walking the walk with Christ that they can see. I, I can't see what they're seeing right now because that's not of Christ. It's not. Yeah. So here you have this, you know, loving, loving your neighbor. 
I'm very thankful that back during COVID, uh, my fellow pastor at Apologia, Jeff Durbin, did a number of sermons on what loving your neighbor would mean. And when you when you do not believe that scripture is a consistent divine revelation, when you believe that you can take this revelation from God and you can cut it up into pieces, you can reject what you don't like, accept what you do, put what you accept into a completely different context than it originally had. Um, You are showing hatred toward this book. And God knows your heart, and God's going to reveal these things on the great day of judgment. But the only way to seriously hold this book and say, I believe this, and I live on this, is to believe in sola scriptura and tota scriptura. Scripture is the sole and foul rule of faith, and you must believe all of Scripture. Anything else leads to this. This guy, dressed up like a gal, gets to determine what Christ's words would be. I think of the parable that Jesus told, where at the end, he has his enemies brought before him and executes them. What do you deal, how do you deal with Jesus's talking about hell and judgment and the destruction of those who stand against God's kingdom? What do you, what do you, well, they don't deal with them. You know, Brandon Robertson will just Jesus seminar them out of the way um, because you, you can't, you, you, you're, what you're literally doing is what Thomas Jefferson did. What every heretic down to the ages has done. You, you pick out what sections you like or can turn into something that you like, and you get rid of everything else. You're not being serious, and no one should take you seriously, but that's what we're facing today. And... Uh, I will very gladly agree with the statement that if this nation is to last for any period of time into the future in such a fashion as to seek God's blessing upon the United States, which, you know, we used to talk about, wasn't didn't they used to have a song called God Bless America? Yeah, yeah, we we did. And there has to be a reason for that. God does not bless rebellious nations. That's a given. But that means that there has been a revelation against which you can rebel, that can be known, that can be recognized. And all of that has been abandoned by quote-unquote, progressive Christianity, which is a completely different religion. And so you can have a guy like this show up to church. And if this guy were to stop pretending, repent, 
of his rebellion and come to our church, he would be welcomed as a repentant sinner. But this guy shows up in his fake dress and everything else and says, no, God, God made me this way. Uh, then the responsibility of the Christian church is to say, you have no place here. The people who gather here are seeking to worship God in spirit and truth and believe his law and believe his revelation and are unwilling to live in rebellion against his truth. You are in rebellion against his truth openly and knowingly. And so you're not welcome here. Um, you are you are disrupting the worship of God. We will meet with you in other contexts. We'll call you to repentance. But if you show no interest in repentance, then this is not where you're supposed to be. And of course, progressive, what calls itself progressive Christianity, has no concept of God's holiness, of uh, God's separateness, of the inviolability of God's moral and ethical law, and doesn't believe any of those things. It's a different religion. Machen was right. It's a different religion. So they have gatherings that they call church that they get to define what that's supposed to be just for themselves. There's nothing, there's nothing external that defines these things uh, for them. So we are about to hear from a long-term um, promoter of falsehood. And, and I'll give the last word. I'll be stronger. This is Antichrist. Yes. This is anti-gospel, Antichrist. And so this is a false worship we're confronting here. You got to confront it theologically yeah. and not just politically. Amen. Politicians could do something if they wanted to. What's behind that is they're worshiping a false god and they're literally sacrificing all our children. I'm from MSU. When the shooting hit, 50,000 kids, all the parents called. Yeah. Parents got to not just start keep calling. Parents and students have to act to change all this. And we can do it. Amen. We can do it. Amen. Uh, Charlotte Clymer. Stacey, we absolutely are. Absolutely. Uh, Charlotte Clymer, Jim Wallace. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. So Jim Wallace has been um, perverting uh, God's truth for a long time. And there he is, um, you know, drawing the line. They're saying, you oppose this stuff. You oppose transgenderism. You say that the, uh, that's anti-gospel. He's being honest. He is of a different religion. You need to re recognize Jim Wallace does not promote the Christian faith. Whatever he wants to call it, come up with a different name. But he doesn't believe in, in God's law. He does not believe in what scripture reveals. And he hasn't for a long, long time. It's just becoming more and more clear as the tide of this revolution moves onward, it carries the all the garbage along with it. And we're able to see these things. And a lot of Christians struggle with that because, well, these people are talking, you know, they, they talk about being, they, they sound like they're Christians, so on and so forth. You have to be very, very, very clear. You have to understand that, if we define the Christian faith based upon what any particular society determines it to be, 
we are in a hopeless, hopeless situation. We truly are. We have to have clarity at this time. And there's only one place to find that clarity. That clarity is not going to be found in philosophical systems, natural laws, or anything else. It's going to be found in God's speech. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. And of course, people on the left will say, it has nothing to do with the Bible. Exactly how were the disciples to know what they're to be sanctified by in fulfillment of Jesus' prayer in John 17, 17? What did they, what were they going to be given? And we all know what that is. And being called to be in full submission to scripture is God's word destroys hubris and arrogance. There are many, I, I just, I'm very, very concerned that there are many quote unquote Christian academics who are ashamed of the gospel. They're ashamed of believing things like a worldwide flood or Noah, Moses, all these things that Jesus talked about with ease. Uh, we're embarrassed by these things. You, you take that attitude, you're going to have no foundation to stand against any of this stuff. It's all connected together. It really is. There's another one. There's a related video that I saw this morning. And, you know, Jim Wallace is an old coot like me. But here's one that appeared on TikTok. I I don't have a TikTok account. I'm, I don't know that I ever will. Um, but this actually was cross-posted into Twitter. That's how I ran into it. And so here is a, a section. Let me see if I can, first of all, um, try to, yeah, here we go. It starts off talking about, hey, the worship is great, blah, blah, blah. And then the preacher started preaching. So there, I found it. So let me see well, whether I can start there or not is another issue. <laughs> we'll discover that together in just a moment here. Let's see if it, uh, if it starts where I want it to start. And here we go. They saying you can't drink. He says... I'm going to make wine at this party when we run out. They say, I'm supposed to be judgmental. Jesus says, you should not be judgmental. Otherwise, you will be judged. They say that nobody of the same sex should ever get married. Jesus goes mute on this issue. Jesus says, love is sacred. There's only one unforgivable sin. Okay. Uh, this will go on and I will I will continue it. Um, from what I'm hearing from what Rich is doing, he's all excited uh, back in Phoenix. Um, this is going to be easier for me to do in the not too distant future. Um, we, we may, 
we we may have a semi-functional um, setup for the long, long trip in May. We'll we'll see. Um, uh, a uh, little video board was donated to the ministry that Rich says is magical, uh, can do anything basically. And uh, of course that requires a person who knows what they're doing to run it, which would end up being me. Um, so maybe I'll be able to figure it out. But anyways, uh, it should make being able to switch back and forth between these things significantly uh, more uh, simple and easy um <laughs> rich says we may we will in all caps okay jesse did you hear that folks um that that says to me that there may be you know in the few nights that the last few nights before i head out at the end of april uh on this 33 day 5,500 miles 600 mile trip whatever it is uh there may be a few nights where I'm going to be snug as a bug in the rug in, in my house going to sleep and, and the lights will still be on in, um, in, in the RV parked out for the house because Rich will be out there working away. Because I'm just, I, I'm just telling you um, it's a small space. You're putting a lot of stuff in there and, and that means that there's lots of things that can go wrong. Anyway, we're gonna try. We're gonna we're gonna have that that thing up there, and hopefully it'll make it easier for me to switch back and forth between all this uh, stuff without having to click on this, click on that, expand that, do 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 all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I asked on Twitter. I said, "Who is this guy?" Because the tweet didn't identify. It's the Amen Church in downtown Dallas. And from what I've gathered, uh, this guy's a dentist with a fairly successful practice, mint dentistry. And he felt called to start this church. So there's no oversight, no elders, nothing like that. It's just, I feel called. Okay, great. And so... Here he is, and I guess they rent, you know, so that means if he's a successful businessman, he's got some money, they rent this outdoor place and they invite people in. There's probably no membership. There's no, there's probably no statement of faith, anything like that. It's just all feel good stuff. And it's given this guy an opportunity to pretend to be a preacher. And so he's up there. And so whenever you hear someone and I've stated this many times, whenever you hear someone say, Jesus went mute on this. Okay, that, that demonstrates this man is utterly ignorant, utterly and reprehensibly ignorant of Jesus's view of the law, its origin, its author, and the fact that its abiding validity is so central to his mission that that's why he dies on a cross is to bring about redemption from the penalty of sin, which is defined by what's in God's law. And so Jesus didn't quote unquote go mute. And in fact, did y'all catch something there? Remember what I asked Brandon Robertson? And he was like, oh, it's a silly question. 
I asked Brandon Robertson, didn't Jesus know that there were transsexuals and homosexuals and so on and so forth in his audiences? Because you'd have to admit. And Brandon was like, oh, we're, it's, it's a small group. It's a small group. So what? Out of the 5,000, um, let, let's just use that as an example. 5,000 men, with an, if, if there was just an equal number of women and children, that's over 10,000 people. And even if you use the old numbers before social media inflated all this stuff, you're talking two and a half percent of 10,000. And my question was, why didn't Jesus speak out and bring liberation to these homosexuals and transgender people and everything else? He never said a word. I was stunned at Brandon's response. Ah, just not enough people to worry about. Really fascinating. And then you got this guy saying that Jesus went mute on this subject as if it was a subject in the days of Jesus. See, Brandon knows that he can't provide anybody, anybody, for hundreds of years on either side of Jesus that held any view even semi-like his own. He knows that. And so that's why he took the direction he did. Now, this kid, this guy, whatever, kid, younger, but this successful dentist, um, he, he probably doesn't know. I doubt he's ever been challenged. He has no theological education. He has, has no business pretending to be a quote-unquote preacher in the first place. But he probably does not know that there is a clear and understandable position that can be defined as to Jesus's very high view of scripture and of God's law. But there they are. And because they've got a band behind them and are wearing cool jeans or something, then they're promoting this kind of stuff. And it's, um, yeah, it's a mess. There's no choice about it. So let's continue on. The sin against the Holy Spirit and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And if you think preaching against the Lord, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you know who it is. When people love each other, break that up. It's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And it's time for someone in church to speak up that what we are preaching is ridiculous. And if we have to follow Jesus on another level, his words deserve to be the highest. He spoke for the Father. No one else spoke for the Father other than Jesus Christ. That is what makes him the Messiah. That's why we are here. We refuse thinking that he is discriminatory toward anybody for a lifestyle, for a race, for a racial marriage. Think about years ago when people weren't even allowed to get married in some areas when they weren't of the same race. How ridiculous that is. And this world became more loving than Christians. And there are people in this city that pretend we have to come against it. That's Christians. We got that is ridiculous. Jesus would never do that to anyone. He would love people. He 
would love people on a level. He would love people so amazingly openly because he doesn't want to change your sexuality. He wants to change your mentality. He wants to change you. He doesn't want you to be hateful. He values faith, justice, and mercy. And here we are judging people for things he never even said. I need a warning. This is one. Oh my God, it's a miracle one. But guys, there are some people that want to treat the whole Bible as equal. Just not this guy, change the world. We want obedience to change the world. That's that. Um, want to treat the whole Bible equally, just not this guy. I put that with what he said earlier. This, this is the, the red letter stuff. This is the Keith Giles stuff from the debate back in uh, in Houston, the whole nine yards. It's the same, it's the same thing. They cannot deal with this as a singular consistent revelation. Can't do it. Uh, they have to chop it up into pieces so that they can put their spin on whatever element of it they end up wanting to put their spin on. You're going to hear this over and over again. I remember, I remember sitting in the studio when we had first gotten it all fixed up. Um, I forget what year it was, talking about the coming tsunami of apostasy. And we are living through the tsunami of apostasy. It is literally all around us. There is no doubt or question about it. And so how, how, do, how do we remain faithful and consistent when everything around us is getting washed away? You've got to have your roots deep now in an understanding of what scripture is, its consistency, um, the role of God's law, the connection to what the very gospel itself is, these things that we've talked about for years and years and years and years in regards to particular little groups now becoming very clear how it all, how it all relates together. And um, so um, real quickly, uh, as I sign off here, please pray for the debate on uh, Saturday evening in Salt Lake city. Um, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a challenging evening, but we want it to be one that's useful and uh, pray for the uh, presentation this evening that uh, here in, sure what's going bang, bang, bang outside, but uh, um, uh, the presentation here this evening in an area where Bart Ehrman's disbelief is, uh, is very popular uh, as well. So pray about those things. Don't forget, go to uh, aomin.org, go to uh, the donate uh, button, and there's still more work to do here. Uh, this unit. We thank everyone who has already helped. We need more folks to help us in uh, putting all this together. Uh, I'm not going to take the time now to go over all, all the stuff we're going to be doing the rest of this year and in the next year and utilizing uh, this wonderful thing, but we need your assistance in those ways. Tremendously thankful for all of you who've already helped and uh, uh, continue in that, uh, in that fashion as well. So we will uh, hopefully be able to give you a report on the way home. Uh, next week on how things went. 
and uh, um, also pray for the outreach uh, going on at the Mesa Easter pageant in in Mesa, Arizona uh, as well. I have a dog right outside the door, evidently. Very excited. <laughs> well, you probably couldn't hear that anyways. Uh, anyways, uh, hey, we're live. That's how, we, that's how we're doing it uh, on the road. So uh, Lord willing, we'll see you next week. God bless.